Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, we're going to talk to David Locke here momentarily. His interview today brought to you by Ken Garf, West Valley Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. Jazz take on the Knicks tonight. Pre-game coverage with Tim Lacombe begins at 6 o'clock. Uh, the, uh, the game coming your way just after 7. Seems like, uh, well, I guess three-game road trip, but it seems like it's been a while since we've had a home game. How do you like working with Tim? I, I really like working with Tim. Tim's a lot of fun. He's good. He is good. He's doing a great job. I would insult him, but I can't think of anything to insult him about. Uh, why would you insult him? Just for fun. Just that's what you do. You walk around insulting. No, that's people? what you do. But uh, uh, he's good. I like you guys together. I think you do a really yeah. good job. Uh, we, we've had a lot of fun and actually enjoying uh, all three of our uh, our kind of rotating panel on the pre half and post game show. Do you have uh, a favorite? Sophie's choice. No, no, no. Actually, you know what's what's kind of cool about it is that everybody is different, so you kind of get a different perspective uh, coming in and out of each game, and it's it's fun to hear everybody's different take on on what's going on with oh, the team. Come on, pick a favorite. No fence sitter. Okay, Gordon, give it, who's your favorite daughter? <laughs> you've got hence, five. It's the reference to Sophie's. You've choice. got five to choose from. Give us numero uno. That's 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 different. He has one. On the record, <laughs> let's go down the rankings. It rhymes with Rarin. <laughs> no. No. I'm, One through I five. I love my daughter, Lauren, but I, I love all my daughters. But as much as Lauren? We're looking for a favorite here, Gordon. Quit, quit <laughs> I duck, asked you first. Quit ducking the question. <laughs> Who's the Duke of the Gordon Munson family? <laughs> I, I don't have a favorite. I love them all. Yeah, well, I'm not. And so do you. You love I'm, all your co-hosts. Exactly. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let you stir the pot. I know that's what you like to do. <laughs> I've got favorites, but I, I'm not gonna let you. I'm not gonna let you do it. Okay. Can I tell you who I like best? Out of my three co-hosts for the Jazz Pre Half and Post, sure. I better not do that. Sure. I to deal with everybody. Go right ahead. I like them all. But I like Tim. Tim's really good. Tim is really good. No, he's, he's going to be in tonight, and he's actually. You don't, you don't gonna... think he's any good? No, Tim Lacombe. Yeah. Come on, what's he ever done? What don't you like about him? His sense of humor, <laughs> his face, his haircut. <laughs> and Tim will be on the show as well. And he's uh, in the room right now. At the, top, I'm at the top of the five o'clock. I do hour. really like Tim. Yeah. yeah, Tim's going to jump on with us. No, he's been he's been a great addition. Actually, he was an addition to the coverage last year, if you remember, for the playoff I run. Do. And uh, he he did, I think, just one regular season game, and it was the last game of the year that that was a double overtime or triple overtime thriller with the uh, with the Clippers, where nobody played, and Grayson Allen had like thirty some points. Or 40 points or something crazy. You remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah, that, was that was a great night. That was kind of like one of those deals like, what just happened there? And is that sustainable? Of course, everybody knew it wasn't. Well, in that night, too, we found out that uh, the the exact thing that had to happen did for the Jazz to get the Rockets in the first round. Yes. Remember that? Yes, I do. Which was so freaking weird. And we knew that before the game ended. So thus, the overtimes really didn't carry a whole lot of meaning. <laughs> Yeah, I guess not. So anyway, there there is that. Tim will will jump on with us at the top of the five o'clock hour, and we're hoping to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily. If you were to pick out one thing 
that stands out to you, Jake, as being a key to uh, the jazz improvement, the jazz success of late? You would say what? Well, do 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 we have to qualify everything with the schedule as lightened up? No, or are we I don't going think you to, do. Because I mean, that is that is a factor. But they There's did have no a doubt. nice win over the Clippers. They on did. The road. They did. And right now, I think the biggest factor, and there's there's many, and uh, you know, you could argue Joe Ingles, you could argue, certainly Donovan and Rudy's consistently elite play is up there. But I, I would say that they really had to do something with the bench because the bench was sinking the ship. And I think the acquisition of Clarkson to go along with shaking it up with Tony Bradley and shaking it up with George Niang and Emmanuel Moutier playing better, I think that that has been the biggest difference over this stretch. To what do you attribute the fact that you got a, a, a handful of Jazz players who are all shooting over 40% from three? I mean, is it as simple as, well, they're good shooters? I don't think so. I think it's part of the the the, the matching of the shooters with the offense, and that's what uh, really stirs the magic, in my opinion. It's good shooters getting good shots. Yeah, yeah. sure. We don't need to overcomplicate well this thing. All right, let's get out. Uh, joining us now on the Sprint special guest line, of course, he is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only David Locke. Hi, David. Jake Scott, how are you, my friend? I am wonderful. How about you? Good to be back in town. It is. It was. Uh, I had a good day today. I was actually trying to make it in studio to join you, but just ran a minute late here and didn't make it. All good. We certainly appreciate you jumping on, and I'll I'll relay the question uh, that Gordon just threw at me at you. Uh, the Jazz have all these players shooting above forty percent from the three. Is that just because they're uh, great shooters, or is it the shots they're getting, or is it a little bit of both? Well, our off-season question was, you know, what happens if the same offense that had the best shot distribution or shot you know quality in the NBA had shooters. Um, I think that's what we've been seeing recently. We didn't see it early in the year, certainly opening night of the year, these guys threw 240 passes. Um, I think that's an indication of what their natural instinct was, the way you had a lot of you know number one guys, but you also had a lot of good guys. So um, you know credit to the front office and the fact that they got good good people. But also, they got guys who had never hadn't played a system like this before. So I think you ended up with, you know, this team having to learn how to play very differently. They're now throwing about 350 passes a game, sometimes a few, a little less, depending on the opponent. But the concept is there. They've increased their passing by about 50 percent, and that is leading to many more open looks. And then you have good shooters taking them. So I, you know, some guys are pretty hot. Joe's probably not 55 percent, um, but he's 40 percent. He wasn't 30 percent earlier this year either. So it. it equals out and I you know we're this team so the Orlando game jumped out to me Orlando we get super hot to open the fourth quarter right Jake right and by the end of the night they're shooting 40 percent from three Hmm. and the thought I had on that is oh they just need to take enough shots every night from three to be able to get the numbers back toward the median because the median for this team is 40 percent David, we talked earlier about how the team uh, didn't seem to have the same esprit de corps initially. And now, you know, you got guys coming together. They look like they're enjoying playing with one another. How important is that? We talked about the Emmanuel Moutier deal with the two fingers up at the end of the game when Rudy made that uh, that play. That's just cool. That's just a cool vibe on this team. Uh, You have an inside look. Do you sense the same thing? Yeah, I mean it wasn't there early in the year though. Let's be, you know, let's be perfectly honest. When we were when we were down 40 at halftime in Toronto, it wasn't there. <laughs> so it's 
And I think that's part of the process of this team this year is that it takes, it just doesn't happen. And then when we changed the roster and everybody was a little different and people had different pressures in a different year, um, you know, in turn, they had to rebuild this a little bit and everyone had to understand where everybody else was coming from. And I think that took a little while for this group to try to figure it out. There's been a bunch of, you know, there's a parallel, I think, a little bit on this team. Go back to Paul Millsap's first year in Denver. Denver's not playing great to start. Jokic is actually deferential to the veteran Millsap who comes in with all this esteem and, and lore and background. Um, and then Millsap gets hurt and Jokic takes over. And when Millsap comes back, he kind of says, like, hey, this is your team. I think there's a little of that here, too, right? Mike came in with all of his accolades. Everybody was kind of deferential to Mike appropriately. Mike got hurt. This group comes together. And now it's going to be interesting to see. I think when Mike comes back, he has to, you know, play into a little bit understanding that this is Donovan's team and Rudy's team, and he's got to find his role. And, you know, when when they changed the roster in this offseason, everyone had to find their role. And now – most of the guys have done it and they figured out what their relationships are. And I think they each understand what the pressures each of them are feeling individually. You've got to understand what the other person's world is as well. And I think that's what was missing early in the year. Do they like each other? I think they do. Um, I think they have likable guys, um, but I also think they understand they can win together and that might be more important than liking each other. You know, David, a, a story I've been trying to follow, and I say trying because it's a little bit more difficult than maybe it is for you who travels with the team on the road and gets a, a little bit better access to practice. But one one storyline I've been trying to follow is the evolution of Donovan Mitchell as a leader because this has been a little different situation for him, right? He's incorporating veterans into this roster, specifically Mike Conley, who's had a lot of experience and been a leader himself. And, and to see Donovan, you know, I – I don't bring this up to to um, uh, uh, to put in a negative light Andy Larson, but he went after Andy Larson a little bit on Twitter after Jeff Green was waved about something Andy had posted where Donovan said, hey, we don't want to get that out there. That's not the way it was. And kind of being a little bit protective of Jeff and right to the point where he mentions everybody in every postgame interview where he doesn't talk about himself. He said Royce is great tonight and George was great tonight and he gives everybody else credit. But anyway, my point is, my question for you is talk about his evolution as a leader this year? You know, I, I probably don't have a great answer for you, Jake. I think you're on to something. Um, and I think I, try, I shared a little bit there. I think Donovan, you know, is such a good guy. Like, it's everything about him is genuine. And so I do think he was trying to do the right thing early in the year, whether that was, you know, being deferential to Mike or – but he also has his own pressures, right? Like, he's trying to make an all-star game, and he's got this shoe that's got his name on it, and he's got to live up to that. Like, there's a there's a lot of burdens in his life now, right? That's part of stardom, right? Um, you know, when, when all this – stuff you know went down early in the year with china like you wondered whether you know he's big in china like how was that going to impact that's the first time he's suddenly in a geopolitical situation and i just think there's a lot in his world so at the same time you have to understand that here's a young kid in his third year who's got an incredible burden and i think he's emerging into it he's a wonderful kid and so we're now young adult and i think he's you know probably and i don't know anything about him off the field but off the court i'd know he just bought a house and 
you know, that's about the extent of it. And he loves his sister and he's, you know, grateful that all that he and his mom have done. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know him particularly well, but, you know, he's real. That's the only thing I would tell you. So that, and whenever we're talking about Donovan Mitchell, you have to kind of probably put it, you can probably put it in the prism of what it was like at your age at 22 or 23 or 24. And that's just, he's got a lot on his plate. And so he probably is emerging and evolving in that regard to try to figure it out. Jake's been uh, talking a lot about the Jazz bench and the improvement there. Obviously, Jordan Clarkson adds a lot. But guys like George Niang, David, I mean, he has really given the team a boost. Is this sustainable, do you think? Well, the thing on George is you know two things, and this is the coaching staff adores George, and, and it's because of these two things. You know you're going to get 100% effort. And you know he's going to do the right thing. Um, you know, I think there was a play that ran through Twitter that Ben Dowsett talked about, and I, and I used, mentioned it on my podcast and I mentioned on Channel 2 last night, um, where George Neang bumps over to cover Nikola Vukovic. Okay, it's such a minor thing, right? But we're winning two-point games right now. So on that play, Emmanuel Moutier, who's awfully strong, would have been guarding seven-foot Nikola Vukovic in the post. Probably fair to say he scores or gets fouled. Instead, Niang comes over, bumps him out, which means he covers for him. Now he'll guard the big guy, and then Moutier bumps over to Niang's man. And then gave Rudy, and it slowed him up enough, it gave Rudy enough time to come help, double-team. And then the Jazz rotate perfectly out of it, and Fournier misses a shot. Okay, that's a point. Like, that's a point right there. Tony Bradley outsprinting the defense the other night and catching the ball for a layup is a point. The average possession is one point per possession. That's probably worth 1.5, right? He stole, he stole a basket right there. Tony Bradley getting an offensive rebound that kicked out to a three from George Niang. You know what? That's, a, that's another point or two right there. And that three that's going in, George Niang hitting 50% instead of Jeff Green hitting 20%, like, that's a point. The perfectly executed two-for-one at the end of either the second or the third quarter the other night in Orlando. That's a point. This is how you're winning close games. This is how you've won the most games along with Oklahoma City of any team in the NBA within five with five minutes left. It's actually not the within five with five minutes left. It's that you're up three when you get into that circumstance because you made all the right plays at other moments in the game, and that's what George Niang does. It's little tiny things that get you a point. And – you know, the guy who was playing that position before was minus eight or more in over 50% of his games. George Niang's just not minus eighting at that position right now. David Locke with us in 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David, if Jim Dolan were to call you tomorrow and say, David, I need your help. Fix my team. What would you tell him? Um, am I, well, my first question would ask, are you, am I working for you? <laughs> That's probably a pretty good, uh, probably a pretty good question. And if the answer was yes, I'd say you know I have my dream job that I wanted since I was like nine, ten years old, and I'm not considering leaving it. What if you said no, David? I'm just just looking for a little advice here. <laughs> I have my dream job that works for another organization, and I have no interest in assisting you in something that you wouldn't listen to anyway. Well, let me let me put it this way, uh, David. If if you were in charge of the Knicks, I don't think your offseason plan would be to sign every power forward you could find. No, they have a unique collection of talent. I'm not sure I quite understand what their model is, 
Um, because I don't understand what the dividend is going to be out of having any of them. Because if they all break through and become different players like Marcus Morris has this year, then all of a sudden they're a free agent and they go somewhere else. So, I mean, though, if, Mar- if they trade Marcus Morris and get a good first round draft pick or get a haul for him, that's a pretty good signing. You know, so give them, you know, let's, let's let them play through, let's let them play through the trade deadline before we actually critique those moves. Right? Because if they're suddenly able to move Alfred Payton, Seems unlikely, but who knows? If they move Alfred Payton and they move Julius Randle and they move Marcus Morris and they get a cadre of draft picks for it and they suddenly have used their salary cap space to sign players and then trade Bobby Portis for something and they then that's their rebuild, that's a unique way to do it. So let's see if before we criticize it too much, let's let it play out. David, you mentioned Joe Ingles earlier. What has been the key to his turnaround uh, from your seat? What are you seeing there? I mean, the easy answer is that he got put into the starting lineup and just the more time he plays, the more comfortable he is in the game. I think that's too simplistic. Um, it's probably a part of it. Um, I don't think that bench group meshed with him personality-wise quite right either. Um, I'm still not sure. You know, I mean, it seems to be doing a little bit better, but it's just not quite who he is. Um, he may be a guy who plays better with better players, so that could be it. Um, and then, frankly, a lot of really hard work. You know, Joe Eagles has gotten good enough. The teams were were prepared for him, and um, they had started to really push him heavily to his right hand. And he's done a masterful job working with Coach Vince Lagarza of really building an offensive repertoire out of, if you force me right, I have a, a now multiple things I'm prepared to do. I'll snake back left and get to my left hand. I'll run you around that little ring around the rosy pocket full of posy play where he suddenly is back up to take a three. He's just figured out a bunch. Of, I'll drive with my right hand. He's just figured out a bunch of different things to do in that circumstance. And I think that's just hard work. And he probably deserves the credit for the work he's put in. And then, you know what? He was in a shooting slump. Um, Transitioning out of FIBA might be a little more difficult than we think of for some of these shooters with the ball being different and the floor being different. Um, I actually think the 40-minute game of FIBA might make some of these guys think they're in better physical condition than they actually are. Um, And then when they get to the NBA, they're actually a step behind. And and then we're so cognizant of the fact they've been playing FIBA, we, we don't rev them up all the way. Um, and so some of the guys might not be quite as physically ready to go as they think they are, even though they've been playing the whole time. So I think, I think there was, a, a, there ha- you couldn't go from where he was then to what he is now without multiple reasons. David, this has nothing to do with anything, but who is your favorite player to watch in the NBA right now, not on the Jazz? Oh, wow. It was Manu Ginobili. Um, Duncan Robinson. Oh, yeah. My, yeah, Duncan Robinson, Williams College. That's right. Thank you, Adrian. Um, was that Austin? Who was that? That was Austin. Austin. Thank you, Austin. Yeah, like I'm biased for that one. Um, <laughs> Miami's my favorite team to watch. I love – I watch Miami every time I can. I just love, I love what they're doing and the way they play and the different how they're doing it. Um, who? I don't know. Um, I don't know if I have a new man crush after Monty retired. That was a – that was kind of my guy. Um, I mean, Giannis is amazing. I do like watching Harden. I'm in that camp. Like, I think he's the greatest offensive player the game has seen maybe ever. Um, yeah, I mean, I think probably ever. Like, all the other ones I would put in that group had a physical 
like Wilt was physically better than everyone, right? And I didn't watch him, so I don't know. Um, but, I mean, Harden's really a, a genius um, on the basketball court. Uh, so, I mean, all the great ones you like to watch. I'm trying to think if there's anyone I particularly – Al Horford's pretty enjoyable, just the way he plays. He's probably the new Manu to me. Uh, except for in Philadelphia, he's not because they've destroyed him. Like, he's just not – he'll be great tonight and Beat's not playing. Look, Al Horford will have a fabulous night. And then his numbers when he's on the floor with Embiid are just a mess. So, they've, they've, they've neutered his game. Um, I don't know. I'm not helping you out a lot. Duncan Robinson, Williams College, baby. <laughs> Let me ask you this question, David, because you're usually extremely realistic when it comes to answering these kinds of things. As the Jazz have improved and uh, benefited from a schedule situation, uh, how far can they climb? Do you think that a best-case scenario, can they get up there second in the West, or, or is that too heady for them? So the defense is really average right now. How good is the defense going to get, Gordon? That's a great question, and I have a follow-up question about that defense for you. Let me go ahead and ask it because I'll forget it if I don't. Uh, the Jazz seem to me to be a really good defensive team from the standpoint of Rudy Gobert. I don't know how good they are on the perimeter. Um, you know, and they're not as big, right? They're playing Boyan basically as a power forward, and he's not very big. So, um, I uh, I actually think we're almost – I'm actually not – Totally, I, I think my analysis of us right now might be exactly where I was when the season started. And that was that we would be one of the best offensive teams in the league. Um, I think we've gotten there. And then the question is going to be, how good are we defensively? And there's a game flow element here where, you know, our offense is so good right now, we don't have to be great defensively. Like, let's not, let's not ignore that fact. That's, you know, we're winning and so we're playing good enough defense every night, um, and we're playing defense when it matters. So I don't want to say, you know, statistically we're average defensively. I don't know. I think we're probably better than average. Um, and, but I'd like to see that. Like, that's the question to me. Um, to answer any question of how good we really are, I, I think the offense we're seeing right now is real. Um, and I think it'll only get better when Mike gets back and they figure out how to, how to work him in. He's just too good for it not to be. So the question is going to be, what can they do defensively? David, thank you as always, and I'll catch up with you on the pregame show, man. Thank you very much. My apologies. I really was hoping to get in the studio and say hi to you guys in person. I couldn't do it, so I apologize. All good, buddy. We'll get you in here uh, one of these okay. weeks. All right. Thanks, you. Thanks, David. David Locke, catch him on the broadcast tonight. Pregame starts at 6 o'clock, Jazz and the Knicks. Hmm. If I had said to you before the season started that the Jazz's problem would be at the defensive end, you would have said? I did tell you that. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. <laughs> I, I did tell you that. Hmm. I wonder if it will stay that way. We'll see. I mean, hey, Rudy makes up for a lot. Can't deny that. Two. Okay, so they're small. I'm, I'm holding up I the got two. You. I got you. Why don't you go with the Three. Three. No, I like the two better. That's yeah. why I tweeted out the Nixon thing today. <laughs> so, uh, what is the problem for the Jazz defensively other than size? Mm, that's um, athleticism. Hmm. But I think a lot more highly of Royce O'Neal than you do. So, well, you don't have to say it like that. It's true. I don't think as highly of him as you do. But that doesn't mean to you know, make it sound like he, he he can't play. 
you can be wrong. Just own it. It's all right. <laughs> so what's the deal? I mean, what? how can the Jazz become a better defensive team? Make a trade. They can't do it with who they have. I think they are doing it. They're not a bad defensive team. Well, that's kind of what you said. No, I mean you're holding them to the standard of last year of second number two in the league. That's not. That's not. This team isn't going to be that good. You got to admit that game the other night was a defensive mess. Yeah, but and they still won. I think that's actually a good sign. Defensive rating right now, the Jazz are at ninth. It's not bad. Yeah, offensively, they're like 17th or something, aren't they? Uh, 18th, according to Basketball Reference. Yeah. So, so I mean, if you if you want a whole lot better than ninth, I mean, come on. What did I say before ninth the ain't season bad. You said I like top than, five on I, both. <laughs> top five offense and defense. I said in order for them to contend, they had it to be top 10 in both. You said they were going to be top five in both. Wait, I did not say you that. You did, too. I did not. Austin? Yep. Oh, yep. Next question. Yep. Have you notice how Austin has these these papers yes. set up in front of us so we <laughs> can't see him through the glass because he doesn't want somebody to snap a photo of his mustache? All we can see, it looks like you know Kilroy was here or something. No, he looks. I like, see him as I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to be like the neighbor Wilson on Home Improvement I, for the next three months. I was about about to say that. I hated that show, but you do remind Why? me. Why? Oh, because it was uh, well. One, it was terrible. And, Stop. And two, it was terrible. <laughs> okay. You know when Bob Vila is the highlight of a sitcom that uh, you're not working with a whole lot. Was Bob Vila really the highlight of that no. show? No. Yeah, he was about, yeah, his like three guest appearances, I think that was the best. <laughs> that was it. It was like, hey, it's Bob Vila, <laughs> click. <laughs> okay. But yeah. yeah. That is kind of weird, Austin. You're, you're, I don't care. Lloyd's not getting a picture of me uh, for Twitter. I know, but can't you take those papers down? No. He's already tried three times. He tried to get Tim Lacombe to come in here and do it secretly. Is that true? Yeah, he's like the witch in the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Even the trees have ears. See, you've got to beat him to this and just send it out. Send yeah. out. You, you gotta, then he'll just copy and paste it. Right, but at least you could control the content there. That's if the principle. Gonna, if you're going to be so embarrassed about this whole thing, then why did you agree to do it? Because it's for a good cause, but oh. not Lloyd's good cause. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. Big thanks to Locke for jumping on with us. We'll have more coming up next. Not Sports Port at 450. Uh, Tim Lacombe jumps on with us. Top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Slow Mo Joe. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. We've heard you wanted to have a special guest on. So tell us about your guest. An Iowa State alumni. He was a little overweight for a little while there, but he's dominating life now. George's. Meow! Who was the one who made the three-pointer that set the record for most threes in a game for the franchise? Not Joe Ingles, I know that. <laughs> who made all the threes to even give him a chance to make the three to set the record? Let me have my moment, man. Yeah, really, Joe, you ball hog. Now you got to be an attention hog, too? Jeez. He can have it. Hopefully the Jazz keep him around for a long time and I can pass my showdown to him. Hey, we're on to something here. Oh, yeah. Catch Jazzman Joe Ingles with DJ and PK every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's quiet now and what it brings is everything Brilliant night I'm still awake 
Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. Start your new year off fresh and clean with a call to Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Get three rooms of carpet clean for just $89.95. Schedule with Zero Res today online at ZeroRes.com. What do you think about Tom Brady uh, releasing that Instagram, uh, Gordon, that pretty much says he's going to be back next year? Do you think someone tipped him off? Uh, you know, and what do you has, mean tipped him uh, off? Well, has some sort of uh, agreement in place. What are you getting? A- agreement for what? Do you, do you think that someone has essentially said to him, uh, we want you here and this is where you will be? Or do you think he's just talking about his own desire to continue playing? I uh, I took it more as his own desire to continue playing. Listen, Tom Brady, whether it's in New England or somewhere else, he's going to find somebody yeah. right, to give him a shot to play quarterback. I mean, we've seen it how many times over the years. I mean, whether it's Brett Favre going to the Jets and then Minnesota or, or Joe Montana going to Kansas City. or um, where, did, um, where did your boy uh, Joe Namath with his smooth legs finish it out? Wasn't it L.A.? Was it L.A.? Most of the Rams? I mean, we've just seen it so many times. I mean, so who's not going to give – like, if you're the Dolphins, you're going to give Tom Brady an opportunity to play, right? I mean, maybe you draft somebody to to fill in for him or to take over for him. But So what are the odds that he's the starting quarterback in New England next year? I think because Bob Kraft has been vocal about having yeah. him back, I, I think that's probably a pretty good sign. However, the, if you read the tea leaves, a lot of people say Bill Belichick doesn't really want him back. So, you know – Talk about who's running the show I, there in New England. Jake, I'm telling you, I don't like to see great players ship off to some other place. You'd rather have seen Tom ride off into the sunset after yeah. last year. Or I'd like to see him finish his career as a Patriot. Yeah. I mean, I you know, Carl went off to the Lakers. Uh, some of the examples you mentioned, Joe Montana going to Kansas City. I, I don't know. It's their lives. It's their career. They can do whatever they want. But if we were able to be in control, uh, I think it's nice to see those guys finish up uh, where they made their name. I agree, but I don't think that that's the way it's ever worked because athletes really struggle, or it seems to me that they really struggle, figuring out when is the proper official time to say goodbye. Like, what's the right way to do it? Is it the John Elway way? Because that's really rare. To go out on top like that, or or is it about the paycheck? Like, does Tom? He's been, you know, kind of taking a backseat financially to to let the Patriots surround him with talent. Well, what if he says, "All right, I'll go play for the Chargers, but I want forty million bucks." Yeah. You know, what yeah. if he wants one last huge payday? What if it's not about winning? What if he truly just loves to play? I mean, I thought it was weird seeing Hakeem Olajuwon on the Raptors, too. But, I mean, when are we going to tell these guys that they can't play anymore, you know? Well, I don't like telling people that. Uh, you hear that all the time. Yeah, he should retire. He should have retired last year. Hey, it's his life. It's his career. He'll retire when he wants to retire. That's an extremely personal decision. I'm not going to tell anybody that. And at the same time, if the, if the Patriots say, hey, listen, we're going to draft somebody else, we're going to— fire into a quick rebuild here and we're hoping to put it back together and we wish you best of luck they they should be allowed to do that too i mean he's a free free agent they can't franchise tag him he can do whatever he wants they can do whatever they want but if they want to bring him back and try to add a couple of weapons and make one last go at it i could i could see them doing that do you think he's part of the problem i he wasn't as good this year as he has been but 
the rest of the team really didn't hold up its end of the deal either. He's had years, though, when he hasn't had... I mean, I guess he's always kind of had Gronk or one of those, but he's had years where he hasn't had terrific weapons and he's still been successful. So, so, so if you don't win at all, then you're a has-been? Doesn't that seem kind of weird? He just was Well, Gordon, he's 42. I get that, but that doesn't mean you ship him off just because he, he didn't win another... Vince Lombardi trophy. But he's not going to be here for another 10 years. So you can't blame a franchise for trying to set themselves up for long-term success. I mean, I, I know we think he's superhuman, but really, he can't He can't play to 50. Or, well, how about or what a, was how that? About, how, how about addressing other needs that the team has? And don't worry about the quarterback. Because it might only be a year with that quarterback. But that's okay. What do you mean? Life, it's life's okay. too short to start t- tearing it apart before it needs be, because you want to, you know, have a plan in place for the next ten. But maybe it's already been torn apart. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know the inner workings. I don't know exactly what's going on with that team, but uh, I'm not sure that Tom Brady is the uh, is the deal that needs to be healed. I, I think there's other problems on that team. Well, Belichick kind of wanted to move on from Tom a couple of years ago. If you believe the reporting. He won a Super Bowl championship a year ago. I'm just telling you the, the signs Belichick's throwing out there. Yeah. He wanted Jimmy G, man. Oh, well, Jimmy's done all right. And the owner had the owner forced uh, forced him to trade him. I don't know. I just treat the man with more respect. He is the GOAT. See, I don't I it's weird. I don't know how much he's owed though. Like uh, you remember who was that uh, German guy who coached uh, US soccer there for a minute? What was oh, that dude? Yeah. What was that dude's name? Jur- yeah. Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah. And when he didn't uh, put Landon Donovan on the team, he had these quotes about how American the athletic structure in in America is backwards that they're paying all these has-beens zillions of dollars <laughs> and not paying, you know, the the during their prime. Like, why, at the end, I think he used Kobe Bryant as an example, but Kobe was making, like, $30 million a year at the end to limp up and down the floor. Like, why is he making that much money then? Like, you should you should compensate them for the value that they have now, not for what they had then. Well, it's not the structure, but guys are getting paid much earlier than the very end. I mean, Kobe made a lot of money prior to. But you get what he's saying. Yeah, right? I, I mean that was thirty was uh, Kobe was not a thirty million dollar player then, but they were doing it because oh, it's Kobe and he's given so much to the franchise. Blah blah blah. So you think there's too much sentimentality involved? That's too kind much of loyalty. What, that's kind of what he hinted at. What do you think? I think sometimes, yeah. I tell you though, I'm torn on that one because I think guys guys give a, a decade or two to a franchise. I hate to see them just ship them off. Yeah, but look at I mean, look at Chris Paul. The Rockets should have absolutely seen this coming before giving him that kind of scratch. Yeah, I get it. We're not we're not good at gauging when things are over or well, falling off. Okay, and, and the circumstance might be a little different if you have a budding superstar waiting behind the, the star. I mean look yeah, at Yeah, the uh, Patriots uh, traded uh, that. Yeah. Well, I mean how uh, for obviously the forty ers when Joe Montana went to Kansas City, that's because they had Steve Young in the wing waiting. And they traded two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And they traded Joe. He didn't leave as a free agent. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean. Uh huh. He he knew what was going on. So I don't know. Uh, uh, so I'm torn on it because shouldn't Joe Montana have retired as a Niner? See, why are you getting all sentimental about it? I don't know. Good should, question. Should the Niners just have cut him and told him he could never play again? 
Because no. they were ready to move on. So what are they supposed to do? I don't know. Why would you criticize the Patriots? I don't have Patriot? an answer to the question. Why would you criticize I told you the- that. I'm sentimental. I understand it from a uh, from a brain standpoint, but I, from a heart standpoint, I, I feel bad when a guy who's given a franchise and a fan base so much just gets shown the door. Hmm. Have you no heart, Jake? Are we back to this When again? did you get one? <laughs> when did that happen? I've always had a heart. Uh huh. Sometimes it's hard to feel the beat, but uh, I, uh, you were the heartless one over there. You I am. Get rid of them. I am. That's what you I just wouldn't blame. If, if a franchise wants to turn the page, they should be allowed to turn the page. Well, yeah, I didn't say they shouldn't. I just. You're just I blasting like the 49ers it. here for going with Steve Young. That's going to no, be a I'm, popular opinion. It, no, it was fun to see what Steve could do, and yeah. he had waited a long time. So, remember, that, remember that year when uh, Young had come in, uh, Montana had been hurt, and Young stepped in, was playing great, and Joe came back, and they put Joe back in, and they ended up losing. So, whatever. I don't have an answer, Jake. You, I'm just considering these various If aspects. you were running the Niners at the time, you would have just given Joe $50 million and said thanks. <laughs> what do you mean, Thanks. Thanks for all the great years of service. Now, <laughs> we'll, it. now beat we'll, it. we'll continue to watch you just your, your career get played into dust <laughs> while we suffer instead of turning the page. Yeah, but Joe still had a little life in him. Very little. Uh-huh. Not as much as Steve Young. That's true. All right, stay tuned. Not Sportsport coming up next. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Utah Jazz shoot-around show. Here's Emmanuel Moutier. With the way this offense operates, what have you consumed the most that you feel like you've been able to put out there on the floor? Just knowing when to attack and when, you know, to get others involved. I think I'm just trying to keep figuring that out. And, you know, I'm in there with the starting group for a little bit and the bench unit for a little bit. So kind of figuring out how to pick my own spots and then try to get everybody else involved too. Does that come with a process where you're trying not to think so much and just let it be a reaction? And how is that process coming along? Yeah, I'm not thinking too much and obviously if we get stops and run that's the best basketball so we don't have to think that much ball is moving and i think everybody you know is feeling involved too tony parks and austin horton weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network check this out and now you're not sports report on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for the Nod Sports Board brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordo, where are we headed today, buddy? Well, we're headed uh, over across the pond here, but uh, there's apparently some back and forth to this story. Okay. How can... Let me start with the question. How can the Duke and Duchess of Sussex quit the royal family? I'm so glad this is the Nosh Sports Report. Explain that to me. I think I can just... How how can you do that? You're a prince. How can you you quit? You can just quit taking the people of England's money. (laughs) Yeah, didn't the Pope retire a couple years ago? (laughs) That's true. That's a good point. I think they're just saying we're not going to be living on the public dime anymore, aren't they? 
to do nothing. I don't. I don't think that they're they're What's, like saying that the queen is no longer the like the relative. No, no. Well, let me read the statement. After many months of reflection and internal discussions, we have chosen to make a transition this year in starting to carve out a progressive new role within this institution. We intend to step back as quote senior members of the royal family and work to become financially independent while continuing to fully support Her Majesty uh, the Mom. Yeah, right. The Queen. queen. I'm just kidding. (laughs) The Mom of England. It is with your encouragement, particularly over the last few years, that we feel prepared to make this adjustment. We now plan to balance our time between the United Kingdom and North America, continuing to honor our duties to the Queen, the Commonwealth, and our patronages. They just don't want to do it anymore. No, they just So what's her name? Uh, Meghan? Meghan Markle? Yeah. They're just not So he marries this actress, and then he wants to quit. He's just not taking the money anymore. What's the matter with that? A lot of people are saying that it's fairly noble. Like, there's a lot of people questioning why noble? why uh, the country of England is supporting this random family anyway. <laughs> well, it's, it's a more little than a, more than a random family. This has been going on for a while. It's a tad outdated, though. Don't you <laughs> and think? that that's always been a sound argument. Well, this is how we've always done it, right? <laughs> well, I I don't you know I don't know. Uh, maybe they're just tired of playing the game. Maybe they just want to. I think they're just head stupid. On, head on over to Canada, or wherever they're going to hang out over here. Where are they hanging out over here? Where do they want? Where do they want? I don't know. But while we're on that, why is Canada still paying this random family any kind of money? <laughs> and she is American, so yeah, probably. probably so is she going to take the blame for this? I don't know. Well, what's uh, Queen Elizabeth's uncle gave up the throne for a woman? Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I I don't know. I just that. I saw that news and I thought, wow, I didn't know royals could quit being royals. I, I want to know if there's a, are they posting an equal opportunity job opening that I can uh, you apply, apply for? I'm telling you, you don't want to be a royal. Yeah, I do. Oh, it would be a pain in the rear end. Fine. <laughs> I have had those before. It's would, you, always, <laughs> would you want to be a royal, that. Jake? I know there's the power, the prestige, the money, the castles, the jewels, the, all that stuff. But think of the downside. The general comfort. Yeah, yeah. What's what's the downside here? You got to roll around in Rolls Royces all the time. Well, the downside is that you got to fly all over the world representing, you know, good causes and whatnot. Sounds awful. <laughs> I'd you like to wake up every morning and have to go hang out with a bunch of people? Ah, oh, the some- French Indies again. <laughs> Jeez. No, I don't think that would be my preferred course hmm. and it, i don't think you know i don't think the limos the, the the power the prestige the money is worth it i wouldn't want my life defined by that would you it's pretty easy for yes. a, a guy who has it all to say i wouldn't want it all <laughs> ah good point would you want to be a royal sure you would live a life of luxury that i didn't and do earn, nothing that Apparently, i didn't there's earn. a whole yeah. lot of hanky panky going on too oh darn <laughs> hey, do tell. A whole lot of cheating and a whole lot of, you know, affairs going side stuff and I don't know. Side stuff. Like hobbies? No. Side uh, side uh, affairs and whatnot. Well, that just sounds right up Chester's alley to me. <laughs> Chester probably wouldn't mind being a royal if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, we all in do. In fact, uh, Chester would like himself a little royalty. I think there's more to this story if we're real serious. What? I, I think that the I think that this came down to it's me or them, Harry, and he chose her. Wow, 
So you're a romantic. I'm not. He's I, he's stupid is what he is. <laughs> She's beautiful and all, but man, you're the prince of England. <laughs> you're the prince of a continent and a country. Not continent, a country. The Commonwealth. And you do nothing for it. And they just bring you plates well, and platters true. of food. That's, that's absolutely no, true. No, he has to what's gallivant. One, th- what's has one to- thing he's done of worth <laughs> with his sorry ass life? Whoops. <laughs> with his sorry life. Uh, oh, he, he goes all over the place. That's the know? first time I've ever had to dump myself. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't he serve in the military or was that? Yeah. A better, sure, yeah, yeah he I served did. in the military. <laughs> I think his. Bro- How'd you like to be his commanding officer? That would be a little awkward. I, it? I think it was his brother who was. Didn't the he like play pilot. Xbox in the army or something? I don't know. Hmm. He did not serve in no army. Austin, I, you know, I, I think I think we've touched the nerve with Austin. Yeah, I don't like people who do nothing and get away with well, it. Well, I think they do do things. They what? travel around. And you go haven't to, told me one they, thing. They, they, they travel around. They and, travel and, the world. <laughs> and, and they and they meet and greet people at, at receptions and whatnot. And like shaking hands and saying hello. Yeah, that's doing something. Yeah, but that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, adding to the world. No, that's a pain after a while. Do you? When you don't feel like it. You got to get all dudded up and then go out there and. Put on the- That's not doing anything. That's what? doing nothing. How do you feel about like Jim Dolan, who's the beneficiary of like generational money? As in James Dolan, same James Jim Dolan, yeah, this yeah, we're talking yeah. about, the owner of the right. Knicks. That his old man was was filthy rich, and so now I don't like him either. <laughs> okay. you don't like and, and he goes around blowing the kazoo like he's good at something. <laughs> okay. JD in the straight shot. <laughs> I don't know. I just, just ruining lives. Coming up next. So you think you ought to get rid of the royal family altogether? I don't mean the actual individuals. You, I'm talking about the institution. No, no. Here's my here's my genuine opinion on it. All right, you ready? I don't care. <laughs> and I don't either. <laughs> I I I honest and truly don't care. Does the royal family really have any power anymore? It's not like they rule England. It's more ceremonial, right? You know I the mean, thing about that is. I don't care. <laughs> You're proud to be an American. I, I, yes, I where, live here. Where democracy works its wonders. Right, where we fought a war to get away from that monarchy. <laughs> and where no one's ever just given stuff. But that, oh, was, that was back when the king and queen, they, when they really did you know, rule the country. Well, now they're, it's more ceremonial. They you know? obviously weren't doing a good job at it, were they? Mm. I'm surprised you care, honestly. I, I I just didn't know that that you could do that. Wow. That's all. Okay. What about uh, the guy who gave up the throne, the uncle? Aaron says. By the way, he says I highly I highly doubt they're giving up all the money. Yeah. Well, that's what they're saying they're doing. Hmm. So who knows? Tim Lacombe's going to join the show coming up next. Stay tuned. A reasonable mind. Yeah. We'll ask him about the royal family. No, we're not. Because for Austin's sake, we're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you feel like that's probably a good idea? Austin yeah. just had to dump something he said. I did. It was questionable. I, I think you're not giving them quite enough credit for what nope, they No, let's oh. not go back down this road. <laughs> Throw up. Tim is next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Sean Devaney, NBA writer. What are the chances of the Utah Jazz getting one all-star bid? And what are the possibilities of them maybe even getting two? I think they've got a pretty good argument to get two. You know, obviously the West is much more crowded than what you're going to see in the East. But certainly Donovan Mitchell, I think you've got to find a spot for him. As many good backcourt players as there are in the NBA in the West Conference, I think that his numbers and the Jazz overall performance, you know, they just 
justify him being on there. Whether they get a second one, that can depend more on how the coaches see things. But I think that the better the Jazz play and the more they slide up in the standings, the more likelihood that you're going to have probably Gobert be the guy who uh, gets that second nod. Uh, and I think he's got a pretty good case for it. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.